Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, we have something a little different in store for you. Today, I'm talking to a dear friend and someone that you've heard from before, Amy Swift Crosby. She's a fan favorite at Liberty. We have lots of people who have enjoyed her first podcast with us. But today, we're bringing a slightly different side of Amy's professional story to you. She and her husband launched Body Squad, and uh, they have found themselves now on a on a different path. And I want Amy to tell us that story. And she's been kind enough to, to uh, be willing to come on and share it with us. It's an important, important story that we all need to hear. And we all have, by the way, tucked in our lives somewhere, uh, a similar body squad story. Amy Swift, <laughs> my friend. Hi. Thank you for being here with us. Can you first tell us a little bit about what Body Squad is? Sure. I can't believe you don't have people knocking down your door waiting to tell their failure stories. It's so crazy. I'm like the only one. <laughs> I think I think we need more of them is the actual truth. That's why I was so excited when you were like, yeah, I I'll bet do you, that. I bet you no were. Big deal. <laughs> in the best way, in the best way. I know. I love you for asking. Well, this conversation <clears throat> was prompted by a post that I made on Instagram about closing Body Squad. I started Body Squad in 2017 with my husband, Josh. We started the company with, a, with one set of partners through our connections at Orange Theory, but ended up parting ways with them and starting a different brand, bringing on Billy Goldberg, who was not a founder, but a partner throughout our Body Squad lifespan. So this was 2017 when working out uh, became kind of a religion. It had become a religion, I think, in maybe 2010, 11, where you had kind of very regular people doing triathlon and marathon and all of the boutique fitness brands were booming and starting and growing, but nobody was recovering. Nobody was actually foam rolling at home besides like once a month. So our concept was taking my background in brand strategy and as a copywriter, an ability to create messaging around things. And also, um, I think a skill set in brand experience. So how does it feel? How does it look? What's the playlist? Just all of the things that matter in a space and taking Josh's, gosh, what is his skill set? He will literally do anything. Uh, he's a hype man. He's ops. He's relationships. He does. <clears throat> he covers a lot of bases. Um, and then Billy's ability to really be a CFO and a COO to build, um, you know, a wellness brand based on Maya fascia release stretching. There was infrared sauna. There was compression. There were some other things, but the Hero product was an assisted stretch product, unlike what's out there. I would say it's very different than the other right. brands. 
So this was 2017. We were profitable. It was really exciting. We had a second location by 2019, 2020. And then a global pandemic happened. And one of the downstream consequences of that is having to pay rent and payroll and not being in business because we closed our doors like so many people did. We were closed for four or five months, but coming back, as everyone knows, was not coming back to what we were. It was coming back to something else, which was happening by the day. And what we learned was customer patterns and views and the relationship to commitment was different Mm. because uncertainty had played such a card in everyone's lives that there was a real discomfort with investing in something longer than like a four pack. Yeah. No one wanted to pay something by the month or be in any kind of commitments. So we said, yeah, totally get that. We redesigned our home menu and offerings to meet that hesitation, but still deliver kind of a reliable, affordable way to feel better in your body every month. And I would say it worked. We were breaking even when we made the call, a very difficult call, but it's not like we were out of the phase of just sort of these enormous losses every month, which were many months. So breaking even is just to say we had lost a lot and we're finally breaking even, which is a weird time to call it quits because you think, oh, you're just rounding the bend. Right. But the problem is that you've already lost so much and your adrenals are kind of shot. Mine were from just weathering so many months of trying to find the secret sauce to the solution of how do we predict how people move around? They're not even leaving their apartments. Yeah. How do we um, recover from having to pay out rents that didn't work out, like our Newbury Street location, which we closed? You know, how do we recover from that when breaking even is kind of how we're doing at best? And what we had was something amazing. It's not like there wasn't magic, which is why it's so frustrating that kind of the best brands don't always win. It's really a deep pocket equation of who can stand to suffer the longest, which is where we found ourselves when Billy basically pulled me aside at one point. We had opened in New York City because along the way we acquired a really fabulous real estate partner, uh, the owners of Saks Fifth Avenue and Lord & Taylor and just, you know, great people we were connected to them by our friend Joe Sana at Spartan, but they were almost too big to help us. Mm. We were too small to operate within their framework, which is, a, you know, billions of dollars of real estate. We, we just weren't quite big enough operationally to make use of what that partnership had to offer us. They believed in us. They did everything they could, but it's like the, even that wasn't the solution. Sure. First of all, you said Billy pulled you aside. What did Billy... Billy pulled us aside and he said, hey, here's what's left in the bank. Mm -hmm. If we let this go on for six more months, granted, we could turn around in six months. But if we do, 
you will be walking away with nothing and you've already lost a lot. Yeah. So what he did was had a very sobering conversation with us where it's not like we weren't looking at the numbers too, but his framework to look at the various possibilities of the road ahead and kind of taking into consideration that we're kind of in for more uncertainty Mm. and definitely inflation. Mm. Mm. And all of us are living on the West Coast because of a project Josh is on. And he could, I think, tell I was, I just was tired. Yeah. You know, it's having a lot of employees is hard. Employees of a certain age are really hard. Not everybody has the same work ethic. It's, it's a strange world to be a boss. <laughs> yeah. And that conversation was something that sort of... It was the catalyst. Okay. Yeah. We had already closed New York six months earlier, or not even six months, less, three months. And yeah, it was just candid and I had to make a call. Yeah. I, I really thought about it and Josh thought about it. Ultimately, it was kind of my decision. But Billy was a tremendous catalyst, and Josh was supportive. Mm. And so we made the call to close it. Amy, you talk about being tired and and weathering so many storms, never mind that you're raising two daughters and you guys are you do have this sort of bi-coastal life ish, right? Mm-hmm. You're in this the summers are spent back east. Yeah, even as I was thinking about this conversation, it's like the constant buoying of other people as the leader during that season. So you're booing your own family, yourself. Then you have to keep all these people sort of like invested in the unknown, <laughs> right? It's like how, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a really great question, but of course, posed by a woman. because uh, I think if we're going to talk about gender for a second, oftentimes the woman is the one setting the mood tone in the home. Mm. And that I think is often true within other structures as well. Billy and Josh did have an impact on the mood of the company, but I was probably more central to that. Sure, There is such a very fine line between transparency with your employees about what's happening and a defeating message that, you know, isn't motivating to come to work. So I don't know how well we did in striking that, but I will say you are only in gear or you're in neutral slash reverse. There's no neutral for long. So you're either buying more towels and getting more, you know, massage lotion and investing in a new computer system, or you're doing all those things, which we did. And then two weeks later, deciding to close. Wow. So the employees will know when things are hitting a stop, when you stop saying, you know what, let's not switch platforms, right? Let's not run that sale. They know. So We tried to give them as much of a heads up as we could. They were still really rattled by it. They still really took it to be their own world changing Mm. rather than a a kind of a bigger perspective, which is, wow, these people have also lost a lot. I realize I'm, you know, losing my job with severance, but I will likely find a new one. All they could think about was my life is altered. I would think that 
it would have been obvious to the employees that you guys had done everything you could. Who knows? They did not express or manage up in that way. They didn't often say, wow, I see I see how you guys are you know, working so hard to build this or change that or make this modification or show up or whatever. They, they just didn't have that perspective. I don't blame them. Sure. But it, it, it is a difficult position to be like working your butt off to try to make something work and sort of not get a lot of acknowledgement from them about anything on the ground. And it didn't help that we were 3,000 miles away. Yeah. Because this was in Boston. Yeah. And even though you know, you go into it knowing that it's not the responsibility of the employees to to be caring for you in that. No. You also, there's a very human piece of this where yes. we all just went through a pandemic. Yeah. Why are we not able to see the other side, which goes back to the exhaustion that you were yeah. feeling? Like that's a load. It's a load. Never mind the financial stress and just then the the physical stress of like having to manage all this, not sleeping at night, all of it, all of it. Yeah, and also just the the attention that you're constantly paying to something. Mm. The Slack channel, mm. you're always looking at your texts for. I mean, we we had fires, we had floods, we had you know COVID exposures. Then we had to do alerts. It's just like. I don't even want to deal with my phone that much, much less be on in that 24-7 way. So, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. We know Billy took you aside and had this candid conversation. But what was the thing for you in the end that was like, I am not willing to continue this. I need to eliminate this piece from my life. Was it the the commitment of time? Was it the feeling like you you know, had so much on your own shoulders? Like, what was it? Like so many things, there's a net impact of a feeling that you have about a thing. Mm. For me, Body Squad would put me into such a mood of kind of feeling shut down, feeling resentful, feeling that my true skill set wasn't actually even an asset here anymore. Yeah, I, I created a brand with our partners at Part and Parcel with Hillary Laffer, who I think you know, and her team, which was incredible. But at a certain point, that job is more in maintenance mode. So I didn't even feel like what I do best was happening. Yeah. And that feeling is sort of sour. There's a flat line about it. This is a funny word to use here, but there's nothing sensuous anymore. It's not like being engrossed in something where you're seeing it blossom anymore. It's like kind of a horse that can't run. I just was like, well, these are all operational challenges, which now I know how to solve. And thank God for Billy and, you know, thank God for, you know, good managers. But I don't want to solve these problems anymore. Yeah. This isn't a problem I'm interested in anymore. Was there any holding on to when you said goodbye, still feeling like body squat is a great concept? It seems as though that gap is still in the market. I mean, I don't know. I'm not fully engrossed in that world. But was there any part of you that said, I need to let go for now, but we'll be back? Yeah, 
there is a part of me that feels that it's in a coma mm. and that I could resurrect it. I have all the binders. I have all the ops. <laughs> I have all the brand. I have all the files. You have all the experience. It could be resurrected. Yeah. I have all the experience, but what I don't want to be is a CEO. And that is one thing I learned from this, which I actually wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I wanted to yeah. take on that role or if I didn't, but I do know now I am a great wingman for a CEO and I've whispered to many CEOs, Yeah, which is great, but it's not my job in life. Are you glad you checked it out? You have done so many things. I've known you to do so many yeah. things, like within the span of just our relationship. I think we've known each other. Yeah, a couple decades. To toggle back and forth. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, when do you get to look under your own hood? Yeah. You know, you, you get to do it uh, in a crisis, which sucks, but you do get to see what you're made of. You get to see it with a new role or a new challenge where you don't know if you can do it. So... Yeah, I, I got a glimpse in there and it's all working machinery. It's all capable, but I don't want to spend a lot of time looking at P&Ls and financials and doing yeah. forecasting and modeling. I, I'm fluent in that now, which was the MBA I referred to in that yeah. Instagram post, yeah. but it's not my vocabulary of choice. Do you now, and I don't know if if you will if you're already seeing it or how long it could take for you to to get to that point, but do you see the value of knowing what you don't want to do, but having tried it, having had a hand in it? Because the reality is you could still go at the, the CEO thing and have it be a success, right? The reality is you are a very capable person and the circumstances uh, around Body Squad were very unique. But I think what is really truly a value is do you like doing that sort of work? And would you do it again? Like the personal piece of it. Mm -hmm. So would you? Do you? Will you? <laughs> <laughs> when you're a founder, the only out is having somebody replace you mm -hmm. or exiting for a buyout or, you know, death. Two of those sound yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> One less so. <laughs> So would I do it again on a project, um, on something that was also really meaningful to me? I would do it for a period of time, mm -hmm. but with no off-ramp, mm, less so. Yeah. Okay. And then the idea of you referred to wingman, and is that something that appeals to you? That is so fun. That's so satisfying to do one-on-one -on -one work. I love that. Working with people who are doing something interesting in the world and being able to co-author ideas with them behind the scenes and use whatever I know, which is, you know, we all know things. Yeah. And that's where you want to plug into a right frequency where somebody can take what you know and turn it into gold in the market, Yeah, in their world in some way. That brings me a lot of intrinsic satisfaction. You use the word sensuous, and I actually think it's a great word. What would that be for you now? Do you know? Have you been able to sort of distill what that could be? I mean, would it be going back to the work that you've always done and had so much success in and have continued to do the work around branding and helping people identify, you know, those things within their own company? Well, this is the question I'm contemplating the most right now. Mm -hmm. And I do love my work. 
I just think I want to take what I have done and apply it to a different arena, mm. maybe a different canvas. And I don't really know what that looks like. I'm trying to keep my calendar a little bit open, like some white space yeah. so that, you know, as they say, leave room for Jesus. Yeah. You know, where's what I can't see that mm. could enter my life? It doesn't have to do with music, architecture, food, animals, and wellness and health and science. Mm -hmm. These are my interests. So I hope that a couple of really fun projects knock on my door where I can feel engrossed again, mm -hmm. where I can feel so excited to show up for work. Because one of the telltale signs with Body Squad was the Monday meeting and how much I dreaded it. Interesting. Even before the pandemic, Amy, or was that no, all a result? After. Okay, after. after. Okay. Yeah, we had a lot of hope and potential, and our growth trajectory was exciting. Mm -hmm. We were making money. We were making a difference. Employees were stoked. It wasn't without challenges, but yeah, it was fun because we were building towards something. Yeah. But when you feel like you're sort of just saving your life every day— that's a different meeting. Just a different meeting, to be sure. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I have yeah. to get into the the age piece of this because this mm -hmm. is my own pivot in telling more of these stories and opening our eyes a little bit more on this middle space we find ourselves in as women. Yeah. Do you feel like you would have had, well, I'll ask it this way, a little bit more open-ended. What would the 20 or 30 year old Amy, let's say 30 year old Amy have done, or how would she have handled the closing the doors or even making the decision to close the doors at body squad versus the current Amy? Well, my confidence level was so different when I was 30. Mm -hmm. I would have been chagrined. I think that I took a bet mm -hmm. that did not pan out the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And now I have a lot of reverence for a lot of other things I've done in my life. You know, I've had an illness. I've had two kids, one without drugs, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and built other businesses. And, you know, just there are just other things that I've prioritized that I know that this is one thing. It's not everything. So that perspective and framework makes all the difference because I could be totally candid in what happened without feeling a lot of egoic yeah. attachment yeah. to my, you know, leading or failing of the enterprise. That's what I hear. I hear somebody whose ego is so attached or detached. I mean, depending on the good or the bad side of ego, right? But who really is able to hold themselves and who they are apart from this exercise, this experiment, this project. And it's so incredibly inspiring. And it's like, oh my gosh, what if we all went into whatever thing we wanted to start up? Again, I've said this time and time again, I don't care if it's a for-profit anything. I don't, I don't care what it yeah. is, but how we want to spend this time in our lives apart from our families and, and all those other things. But if we yeah. could go into it like that, it could be a little bit more of a why not 
mm-hmm. and then de- and yeah. stay detached it's, in the way that you have. I think I really think it's sort of remarkable. <laughs> What's well, funny you use the term "why not"? I'm writing something right now, and I've just wrote the words "why not." Mm. So, as usual, there's so much synchronicity in our conversations. Yeah, it's really a helpful to instead of being embroiled in your experience to be amused by it when possible oh my gosh that's brilliant there there's a book <laughs> title what <laughs> because first of all you can find so much humor and absurdity yeah in this story playing out that we're calling life for the 80 or so years that we're here or the 4,000 weeks as the latest book craze, which is a great book, by the way, forget its name. I think it's called 4,000 weeks. Okay. Average lifespan, you know, like, okay, so what, you know, we have some debt now and financially we're not in as good a position as we were before we started this. Money comes, money goes. You don't want to be panicked. And that's why age does play a role because when people are in their mid-40s and take a big swing, they're taking an even bigger swing than they would if they were 25. You know, these are your wealth-building years. And you're trading one piece of attention that you could be giving to something to something else And there's risk. If you don't have the cushion or the reliability with a partner's income or something, then it may not be worth doing it. Yeah. This kind of follow your passions at all costs business is a pretty bad prescription for, you know, a responsible life with retirement and building what you may have of generational wealth. So I have real issues with that. Yeah, I was just doing a podcast where or, or interviewing somebody where we talked about the distinction or or just being aware that it is a privilege to be able to follow your passion and really identify your purpose, which I wholly still believe the purpose part. I think I've let go of the passion some years ago, but the the purpose part where you feel like, <laughs> okay, I actually have something to say to your point of like, there's something I'm really good at and I'd love to lean into that and put out great work, great product, impact certain things that I care about. And I think there's value in that, but I also think it's really important for us to be mindful that those of us who can consider our possibilities, which we say a lot at Liberty, are in a privileged situation. And, you know, since you brought up Jesus earlier, um, you know, to whom much is given, (laughs) much is required. If you have the opportunity to think about all you have available to you and how would you like to spend your time and all of those things. I do think that it's 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 a responsibility because so many people, their responsibilities lie in bringing the food home. Yeah. Keeping a place of shelter intact. Yeah. So I, I do think there's, there's value in it, but I just think we need to make sure it's, there's perspective around those of us who can and those of us who can't. And not just think like, oh, lucky me, but okay, well, then I have a responsibility. I owe my time and my service to the world in a different sort of way. 
Yeah. My interpretation of everything you've gone through with Body Squad as being a huge asset in you working with other brands and other companies and being that wingman. Do you see it that way yet fully? Or are you like, sure, that's a great <laughs> narrative, but I don't, I don't know. Do I really believe it? I think it's an honest narrative. Yeah. There's just no experience like real experience. Yeah. And you can't even really do brand strategy or build a brand, if we're talking about branding, without understanding business and what people have at stake. And, you know, it's one thing to work with the pottery barns of the world, which, you know, has a nice invoice attached to it. But when you're working with founders and, and smaller businesses where they've raised money or whatever, the stakes are just really personal without a deep understanding of how business actually works and a sense of priority with decision-making. I mean, this is what we do on the Brandsmiths podcast is use brand strategy to solve business challenges. And it tends to work. Yeah. So I think it's an honest narrative and I would love to do more like that. I'm I'm coming up for air where I'm ready for it too. And the gift that 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 you will literally be able to breathe, you know, I'll go with the analogy further, but breathe into other people's projects and businesses will be both instrumental to them, but also such a gift to you. I you know, it'll I I have a sense that it'll play out Agreed. as like, oh, okay, that was not for naught. I see now where those opportunities or those lessons have been given to me as a gift for myself and for others. Um, You mentioned brand smiths, and I just want to say to our listeners, and we'll make sure that this is in the show notes, but Amy um, does have a podcast um, where she does take on different questions and dilemmas and things that businesses are going through and really tries to help them through that lens. Let me also say for our listeners who think that branding is the colors and a logo and the tagline, (laughs) that is not the extent of it. And uh, if you listen to Brandsmiths or you even follow Amy in any way, just Google her, you'll see that it's so much more than that. Hence, what you're saying now, Amy, about really understanding the business before you can talk about branding the business and what that even means, how they communicate with their yeah. with their clientele, their customer base. I so appreciate you saying all that. It's such good context. And I think so many people don't get it. Branding has been in the last few years, especially around social media, where everybody is their own brand or people are thinking of Mm -hmm. brand in a sort of curated way, like how does everything match? Mm -hmm. There's value in that and I don't diminish that. And there are people who do that really well, but I just want to make it clear that it's, there's more science here. (laughs) Yes. On the side you're involved in. Indeed. What has it been like to let go of the vision of Body Squad and what it could be? And I, I heard you say it's in a coma Um, And so maybe it hasn't felt like completely letting go, but what has that felt like for you? It's felt like taking off a really heavy backpack and then leaving it in the parking lot of the trail and literally going on a new hike. Mm. It's just, it's a big exhale for me because it was so burdensome for the past 18 months. Yeah. And so it feels pretty good. Uh, it's hard, you know, like I'm sitting here in one of our beautiful brochures that part and parcel made for us is, 
you know, my business card is still here. Like, it's just hard to shut down the website. There's a, there's, it's bittersweet, you know, because it is an either a deep coma or it's, it's over. I think it's really hard to make peace with that in any way you can recognize right away. I think the thing that's fun is that I get to think about something else. And that has been spacious in my mind and in my heart of just, I get to think about different things and it's better. Did you get to a point where you said, I can end this, like I can take this backpack off? Because I think it's so easy as the founder, as the lead of any sort of project, I don't care if it's a temporary thing where you've sort of, you're at the helm and there's the sense of everyone's relying on me. I have to do this. I have to show up. Was there sort of a moment where you asked yourself, what what would it be like if I did take this backpack off? What would it be like if we shut down? And maybe I do have a little more agency here than I thought I did. I think there's a distinction when you start something that is your methodology and that revolves around your persona, leadership, your visible leadership, your approach to a thing. Like my friend Taryn Toomey, who started the class, that's been, you know, a business that grew faster than she could even imagine. At certain points, you know, I'm sure she wanted to get off the wheel and just be like, can I just teach? This is hard. I mean, it's hard. She didn't, and she's run a really successful business, but it's different than Body Squad for me, where it's not my methodology. Mm. We created something. We formulated a sequence of bodywork techniques and and sort of a sauna practice, but it didn't feel as personal Mm. to me in that sense. So I think being a founder or a leader of something like being the leader of Smarty, being the owner of Smarty was much more emotional to let go of because I was so central to its reason for being. There's a different feeling tone, I would say, in abandoning babies where you really are the mother or we are sort of the surrogate um, caretaker. Did you know that when you were launching Body Squad? Did you view yourself as a surrogate? More so than with Smarty, where I recognized myself yeah. to be a member of the DNA. Right. Yeah. Is there any recommendation in this to our listeners? Like, make sure you are part of the DNA? Well, it's not to say I wasn't part of the the family of Body Squad. Right. My, It's not like I was a massage therapist yeah. and then I trained all the body workers. I could see a big picture. I could see an opportunity. I knew how to do multiples. I knew how to build a brand. I knew how to be empathetic as a message maker. I knew about a lot of the components for building building a business that was separate from myself. Somehow I knew that and I learned a lot. But it is really different than than taking something that's personal to you and then scaling it. Right. So as a recommendation recognize which business you're in and probably what you have tolerance for like uh, if you yeah. if you need that sensuousness on a regular basis maybe it does need to be more i mean i think i probably not until you articulated it did i know that that's what i need but i need to be like fully involved 
I say that, but I haven't had the other experience. So what do I really know? But you had it for me. Thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for saving me the time and the money. (laughs) I have to believe our listeners are listening to this and saying, oh my gosh, that's huge. Like what what a difficult process to be a part of. And yes, you seem emotionally intact and uh, appropriately still connected, but also freed up. But what would you say the most poignant thing that you've, you've, you're coming away with that you want them to hear um, outside of the things that you've already shared? Like what's a takeaway that could be, you know, a tale of caution for those who might consider launching their own thing or just a shared message with a fellow midlife woman? (laughs) Well, it all ends. Mm. You know, there's no road that goes on and on. If you're going to take on an experiment, which is what all these things are, for how long are you kind of willing to do it? How quickly does it need to succeed, quote unquote? What part of your financial picture does it need to solve? And intrinsically, deep down, what itch are you scratching? What longing are you meeting? I think vocational longing is so, so real at this age. We do a lot of ruminating. Uh, Once you sort of hit the late 40s, early 50s, there's a lot of perseverating about, you know, what's next because let's say you have, 10 more years of an active career or who knows? I mean, I think all of us will be doing what we do for a long time, but it does all end. So, okay, let's think about what's essential here. And there are a lot of great ideas and there's a lot of squirrel moments where, you know, and this is what we did in our late twenties and thirties. Like you take a lot of coffee meetings, you do a lot of calls And I think now there's a healthy discernment with yeses and nos that I'm really happy about as I've turned 50, where I just know what sounds good and I know what I'm magnetized towards and other things. They're not bad. I'm just not interested. I was going to say, they're just not for me. Yeah. I don't have the interest or the capacity for it. And I just recognize that so much faster now. Having said all of that, what do you say to, because there's so many people that you are still connected to that knew you from Smarty, that have known you in that entrepreneurial space, that still look to you for words of wisdom around launching, around growing their businesses. What do you say to that woman that perhaps is different than what you would have said to her some, you know, 10 years ago. What do you say to her when she says it's, it's too late? I don't really know how to reimagine what's next. What do you say to her about this chapter, knowing everything that you know and what you've gone through? I think most ideas have versions of themselves that don't necessarily look like the original idea. Mm. So sometimes it does feel like it's too late to start a podcast. So there's thousands and thousands of yeah. podcasts out there. Yeah. You know what? It's probably too late to be Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Because he was early and he worked really hard and wrote a bunch of books and they worked and there was a recipe and here he is. 
but you can still have a podcast. You have to find a sound slash editor person unless you're going to do it yourself and you have that kind of time. Of course you can. It's, it's a question of the original imagination and what it landed on and what version of that can you accomplish now. Mm. It's not really too late for most things. I think the constraint is the packaging or the, the matter form and where you're willing to negotiate on that. What do you mean by the matter form? The matter of form, so let's say you can't afford rent for a retail location because they're really high right now and you have this dream of this home boutique. So what version of that idea is possible? And maybe in a few years, the rents come down. Like what aspect of this can you activate? Is that a function of where someone is in their age or a function of the age that we're living in that seems like everything's been done? <laughs> I think it's both. We're just so saturated with activations. Do you feel like to, to hear somebody say, is it too late with regard specifically to their age? Do you feel like you would need to encourage her? The crucial component, which is so unsexy, is do you have the cushion to risk something for a while financially and still be able to land on your feet? Mm. You don't want to have to move out of your house. You you don't want to take away savings that maybe you would set aside for your kids or for their college. Yeah. You have to look at your kind of financial picture and make that determination yeah. with zero goggles on. It's It's just a pragmatic vision of what is possible here or what do I need to borrow or make or um, collaborate on to make it possible? There is a version of this where there's no savings left, you're struggling to pay your rent, yeah. and you're kind of bummed. There's also a version where it's not the full picture that you wanted to do, but it's one mile, two miles, three miles towards the idea and that feels really good. And feels like a great starting point for people to actually see like, is this something that I want to continue to pour more into? Is there traction? That's right. You're doing it. Do I need to iterate from the original idea? Because I've received rather enough feedback from people um, and from myself. Yeah. I think it's a super cogent point you're making because the first version yeah. of anything yeah. is rough. You know, it almost always needs corrections and there's blind spots and there's a lot that needs to be altered. But how many times can you do that before you get it right financially, attention-wise, resource-wise? And if that answer is, I can sustain yeah. it, then do it. Yeah. If it's that important to you, then do it. But if you can't, there has to be different solutions. What do you feel like... I mean, you're, this is what you're sharing with somebody else. What do you feel like you've learned? What did Amy teach Amy in the process of both launching, growing, and closing Body Squad? And I hold, I hold space for that coma. But by closing, I mean it, you know, for now at least. Well, I got to see myself in a, in a very different role, dealing with really different people, uh, building partnerships with 
billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went into some meetings thinking this is major and I'm not even sure what I'm going to say, but I know how I feel and I know what I need to get out of the end. I'm not sure how we get there. Even with employees, I got to grow a different part of my person. And that's kind of the whole point, I think, of this life is these different versions of self-expression and getting to see, surprisingly, who you are, Yeah, you know, by walking in different shoes. So that was fun. And now I know. And now you know. I think... The reason, I mean, you've said the word road at least once, and it's part of why I wanted to refocus or or change my focus to women over 40. We I wanted to include the word road because over and over, path, windy, road, these things kept coming up. But also just what you've said, it's like how how those things have liberated you to know you. Sometimes the intention, I think, at least for me with all of these entrepreneurial endeavors, sometimes they've been successful, sometimes they haven't, but I am completely different as a result. I am a different person as a result. And maybe I would have learned those things through other lessons, for sure I would have, but there's something unique about <laughs> how I've learned them through these entrepreneurial endeavors. And I don't, and I, I'm gonna come back to this, this question really quickly in our fast <laughs> yes. five. So before we let you off the hook, and I just have to once again, thank you for your honesty and your transparency and your measured tone. I think one of the gifts of spending time with Amy is always, I always come away just a little bit more grounded. And I'm excited for our listeners to feel that way and to feel like um, you haven't you haven't diminished the the possibility but you've given us a very sobering way to think about it. And you've given us some tools to take with us. And I just can't thank you enough for that and needed to say that, of course. Thank you, Nada. But now there's a fun part. What is a, a hack or a practice that you do that you think Every woman over 40 needs to know about this. Whether she does it or not is up to her, but they sh she should know about this. Okay, well, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of the Huberman Lab podcast, and I'm really into getting early morning light without a phone and just listening to the birds come up and watching the cat walk around the yard. Mm. It's really still, and it sets your circadian rhythm up to go to bed on time and to get a really good night's sleep. So it's a morning light practice. I really like it. It's really easy. I do a four, seven, eight breathing routine with it, which you can look up for seven, eight. And then a cold outdoor shower with hose water. Oh my gosh. Right up. I was tracking until that. <laughs> that sounds crazy. <laughs> Although all the all the stuff around plunge pools and all the, you know, the ice baths. It's far less bad than an ice bath. Okay. I promise you. The cold water makes your skin soft too. Okay, well, that, that, uh, now I'm motivated. Now I'm in, yeah, now, I'm, now in. I'm in. What's early, by the way? I get up maybe just before six okay. and I brew some green tea and lemon water and then I just sit out there. Oh my gosh. Okay, if we get up before seven, does that work? Yeah. Okay. No, it's just kind of within an hour of getting up and before the sun is high. Okay, we can do even that. Even if there's no sun, even if you live in Germany and it's gray. Okay, 
just that time of day. For our European listeners. <laughs> there's so many. Amy, there's so, so many. many European listeners. Okay. And then what's a favorite book, fiction or nonfiction? You mentioned one, the, the four, 40,000 weeks. 4,000 weeks. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. I read a book this summer called Six Walks by Ben Shattuck mm-hmm. that I loved. My dear friend Margaret gave it to me. And it turns out he is the cousin of a family friend. So, oh my gosh. And also the husband of Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate. Okay. Okay. Jenny Slate. So, husband of Jenny Slate, the actress and comedian. Yeah. Is she the Marcel? The Marcel? The yes. seashell? Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. She's hilarious. Yes. And hilarious and she's also Liz on the Nick Nick Kroll show yes yes of that's the right. two Liz's <laughs> so she has a show like every month at the Largo which I'm gonna go try to see oh that's very so cool. he wrote a book called six walks about the six of Thoreau's walks through New England it's just introspective and lovely essay form which is my favorite mm-hmm. which is my my medium also a nice even keeled deep reflective. He will feel like your friend Mm. by the end. Okay. That's a great, I can't wait to get that one. Thank you for that. You talked about earning your MBA. You've given us uh, an inside uh, look at that with a magnifying glass. What's one sort of very practical business tip that you think anybody who's in the midst of launching or even growing should, you know, that you would want to pass along to them? I think it's know how long you can go if conditions get worse. Okay. I know that doesn't that's, sound that's super hot, but no, I th- I think it's one that we don't include in our sort of periphery of all the things we should think about. So, yeah, it's not called Liberty the Sexy Road. <laughs> it's it's called Liberty Road. So, thank you for the not so hot. I appreciate well, it. I'll give I'll give um, Billy Goldberg my hat tip on that one because I really learned that from him. I think even for those in a, in a fundraise yeah. sort of situation to really think about, okay, what's that extra cushion that you need? It's going to take you uh, the, for the unforeseen mile because it's it's there. It's coming. Whether it's a global pandemic, yeah. hopefully not, yeah. but it will be something. Uh, you can almost bet on it. Yeah. And then if you're mentoring your younger self, what do you want her to know about midlife? I think since we were talking about ruminating earlier, I would tell yeah. my younger self, it turns out that most stories are not true. So we can stop thinking about, <laughs> did I say that wrong? What did she think? Are they mad at me? Maybe I alienated them yeah. or maybe I didn't include them. Maybe I over-included myself. Maybe I should have raised my hand more. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. No. So you would say that to younger Amy and then you will say that to your daughters. Just FYI, you're making up a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, to them, I I break it down differently without using any of their trigger words like slay or sus or (laughs) fire. Do you know sus just got added to Webster's? No, no, no. (laughs) It did. And I know this for a fact because the one and only Jimmy Fallon... Said it was well, true. I believe anything yeah. Jimmy says. So I would remind them most things aren't about mm. them, but they were there for it. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Another essay. That's the title of another essay. Amy, just keep, 
More essays, please. <laughs> You're so good for me, Netta. It happens to be true. And then back to kind of something we hit on earlier, you know, Liberty Road is named Liberty Road for a very, very specific reason. And so I take the time to ask everybody, what has this venture liberated in you? I think for me, it's, I can do that, but do I want to? Mm. Whether it's, you know, nagging about something to the kids or my husband or whatever, like you could be that person or you could make that comment or observation or feedback, which I have a lot of observations, I guess, I hear. Um, <laughs> you do. So they say, <laughs> you do. and by they, I mean my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but is that who I want to be? You know, is that a role I need to take on? It's sort of the same as, as the, being the CEO. Like I, I can, I just, no, no, thank you anymore. What a privilege to be at a time in life where you can view things uh, that way. I mean, what a gift to live long enough to be able to to be in a place where you can say, I don't, that's not actually who I want to be. That's not who, what I want to do. I don't need to live in my burdens out. They're probably not burdens I should even yeah. have. Totally. And back to your backpack analogy. I mean, the great thing about being really deep is then you can just play through and become really light. <laughs> I think that's the end of the podcast. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Amy, you are such a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Always such a joy to talk to you, Netta. Thank you. Thank you, friend. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys for hanging out with me and Amy today. I have no doubt this particular episode will be on repeat. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flowers.